Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. Here's John Canzano with a bald-faced truth. If you're a sports fan, uh, I hope you checked out Worlds of Sports. If not, I'll send you some video once it's produced. I thought it was a lot of fun on on Saturday in particular. i got to be honest. On Saturday in particular when the doors opened, there was a line about 75 deep that was in the convention center going up the stairs. The door hadn't opened yet. And I was in the lobby still, and the doors open, and I, I saw people go into the room, and I thought, you know what? We needed an event like that. I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that it uh, became a thing. Now, one of the highlights of the event, for me in particular, was checking out the sports cards and memorabilia. A lot of great card dealers in our region were part of the event. It was fun to kind of walk around when I had a chance to walk around and look at some things. We also, on the main stage, did some card breaks. Jordan Schultz, known as Schultzy. He's got a website called SchultzysCardPulls.com. He was doing box breaks. I'm going to let him explain what a box break is, because I let him do it on the stage. And then we're going to talk about why that's become such a big deal. Winning cards. Opening cards. Like, I think there's something to this. If you're on YouTube, you understand that brain chemistry is involved in, in what is going on in YouTube. There's a whole phenomenon. There's a whole uh, industry of people opening presents, packages, Pokemon packs, Pokemon, Pokemon packs and toys and all you know any kind of surprise it literally feeds your brain chemistry it it's the same brain chemistry that is affected by storytelling i had a great uh, writing coach jack hart tell me one time he said kanzano make them laugh make them cry but first make them wait because there's a payoff you get as a listener to this show when i'm telling a story that may transcend what you're actually hearing. It has something to do with brain chemistry. That's why we like reading stories. It's like, that's why we, the to be continued at the end of a, of a sitcom is, uh, you know, simultaneously, oh, and we have to wait till next week, and then you wait until next week because you can't wait. You need the payoff in the end. I think these box breaks that they're doing in the sports card world are lit up and lined up for that. Jordan Schultz joining us. Schultzescardpools.com. He's going to tell us what a box break is. Schultze, what's going on, man? John, good to be on with you. I really appreciate it. It is a pleasure and an absolute privilege, my friend. 
All right, let's talk about what happened at this event because you were on stage and you were doing a box break. First of all, for listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, how do you explain a box break to, like, your neighbor who has no idea what, the, what we're talking about? Yeah, so essentially, I'm in a box break involving sports cards and collectibles and chances at big items. That's kind of the draw right there, the chance at a big item for a smaller cost. Uh, you've got normal boxes of sports cards that have been being printed since, uh, I mean, everybody can remember, um, but they're getting really expensive nowadays. I mean, we're talking, I know you've mentioned four, five, six hundred $600. There's even some that people want to regularly open that cost $1,500 or more, so Essentially, a box break, uh, instead of paying $1,500 yourself for that box, it kind of uh, alleviates the cost, and it, it's a gamble either way. It's a chance at pulling a big card or pulling nothing, whether or not you open you know, a couple of packs in the box or the whole box. So what the box break essentially does is kind of splits the cost up and makes the gamble a little bit cheaper. So instead of opening the whole box yourself, you get randomized a team, a randomized a division, and hoping you get like the New England Patriots, for instance, and draw Mac Jones' rookie or Trevor Lawrence for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and so on and so forth, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, all the other big quarterbacks from 2021. So essentially, John, it's just a low-cost chance at a massive, exciting, expensive find, uh, like you said, an autograph or a hologram, all kinds of special finds in card boxes nowadays. It's interesting to me. Why do you think this has popped up? And it seems to have taken a life in the pandemic. Is that coincidental, or is it made for... YouTube is it made for TikTok where where people I guess we were at home and isolated and suddenly we wanted to watch a break happen yeah John you mentioned YouTube and TikTok with social media I'm not sure this resurgence of sports cards and breaking cards you know with that immediate reaction and the immediate follow-through on whether you're going to get something or not I don't think we would have seen that if the pandemic happened like 10 15 years ago because the like I say, the immediacy and the availability now, you've basically got people doing these sports card breaks on all these platforms all the time. I mean, I'm pretty sure you could find something going at like 2, 3, 4 in the morning if you're that much of a degenerate. And for me, it was pretty much the pandemic, uh, along with everybody kind of just not really having much to do. Uh, you mentioned a lot of guys uh, after this weekend at the World of Sports event going back into, into their collections that hadn't really looked at them in a while after seeing this sports card show there and these breaks, that's kind of what I did, John. I was uh, trying to figure out some things to do with my spare time and saw people opening these boxes on social media, and it encouraged me to try and use my skills and have some fun and do that myself. And uh, it's kind of taken it and grown it to doing breaks as well as trying to help people get cards as cheap as possible. My brother was not in town. He was not able to make the event, but he saw it on social media, and he texted me, and he said, you guys are making me go into my cards and look at what I have, and I think that a lot of that happened. Uh, what have you seen in the sports memorabilia trading card market? Let's first start with older vintage cards, Schultze. What have you seen in maybe the last couple of years? Yeah, the older ones, I mean, you're obviously talking like uh, the Hannes Wagner T206, which uh, even if you're not a sports card fan, You've seen the picture of that old, like, cigarette card pack. It's kind of a smaller kind of center card. Uh, essentially, you're going back into the millions of dollars of value for bigger cards uh, and super rare cards like that. There's a 1952 Mickey Mantle uh, that's, I think, just sold. The last one sold for over 2 or $3 million at auction. Um, and then Michael Jordan rookie cards, they go for anywhere. If, if it's in gem mint condition, which you call gem mint is essentially the best possible graded condition, 
uh, which is a grade it is essentially certified and authenticated that it could be in. We're talking 500000 to a million dollars. But, you know, with the recession, uh, the last few months, a lot of people, even big investors, not necessarily looking um, at cards as investments or maybe taking out some of their investments uh, to put into things like eggs and put gas in the car. But there is still super, super high valuable numbers on those vintage cards. All right. Help us understand what we're seeing in this new shiny refractor limited edition signed one of four uh, you know, sort of what is going on right now with the new stuff we all see out? Yeah, John, actually, it's a perfect transition that you asked from vintage into kind of current-day sports cards because uh, there's this time that um, if you are a sports card fan, you know about this. It's called the junk wax era, and essentially that's a period of time from the mid-'80s or so into about the mid to late-'90s where these companies – just started thinking they were printing money and just made sports cards and never stopped the printing uh, presses for years on end. All those rookies that you thought were super rare weren't rare. And essentially from that, these companies tried to take uh, ideas from the worst side of the hobby and seeing all those cards go basically to zero in value and try to add some kind of extra valuable, you know, card that you could get in these boxes. So that's kind of where, these numbered cards, John, these, these hologram parallels, these different colored parallels, these special autographs, uh, that's kind of where we saw that start to come out uh, into what we see in sports cards today. And it's not like you can just go in and find, like, a Tom Brady autograph in every box. I mean, it is still kind of that draw with those super rare names. It, it, it really is that extra spicy card that you can pull. And, and like, with a Tom Brady auto in every box, it's just kind of standard. You got, like, maybe five of those, and that's – that's like out of millions of boxes. And then even outside the big three sports, you got guys like Tiger Woods, his rookie card in golf. It's an upper deck rookie card. I think uh, just in a sleeve, it's worth like 30 to 40 bucks still. So, so there's, there's value beyond the big three sports. There's value in hockey, golf, golf, and soccer as well. Jordan Schultz with us, SchultzesCardPools.com. All right, when you've opened boxes, what's the most valuable card you've ever pulled out of a pack? Ooh, it was, so this was a super lucky pull for me, John. It was maybe three or four months after I got back into the hobby uh, in 2020 during the pandemic. He's a prospect now for the New York Yankees, and a lot of people are comparing him to Mike Trout. It was an Anthony Volpe. Um, it was one of those colored parallel autograph cards that you're talking about. It was an orange parallel, and it was uh, numbered. There were only 25 of those cards in existence, and uh, unfortunately, I'm hoping that I don't hate myself too much in a few years because I sold that for about five, 600 bucks because I just wanted the immediate cash. Uh, Anthony Volpe, uh, like I said, he's been having some trout comparisons being thrown out there about him. There's nowhere, nowhere near that status as of yet, but even those comparisons, and this is what the sports market does. Um, those comparisons raise the guy's price right up. So that car that I sold a year and a half ago, I think is sitting at like a four or $5,000 value clip right now. So I'm hating myself at the moment. Nah, I mean, look, it's it's part of the business, right? It's part of the game. Why did you get into this? Do you get in for the money? Do you get in it for the collecting, the adrenaline rush? What what what's in it for you? I think all of those. Uh, mostly, it was the nostalgia at first, just kind of remembering what I'd done with my dad. I mean, we used to go all the time, John. I I, I don't know if you remember those old Blazers uh, packs of cards and like friends, friends uh, loaves of bread, and uh, my dad and I would just go down. And as soon as they would hand the expired loaves of bread back to the uh, distributor, we'd go down to local friends and grab all those 
loaves for a buck and grab all those cards and then head down to the local card shop. So it was honestly just the nostalgia from that um, and then just into my love of sports and my passion for fun and entertainment. And I, I truly think that you just like kind of sports betting uh, and fantasy sports, how we've seen those kind of kind of grow from maybe down in the basement or from a section of sports fans participating in those, coming into the mainstream, being covered with sports, being a part of everyday life in sports. I truly think sports cards will go that direction, especially, John, after we saw this event and how much fun you had up on stage at the World of Sport. I think, I think it's going places for sure. Jordan, let me ask you, too, because there are a lot of people out there that go, hey, you know, I can't afford to buy a two or $300 box of cards, uh, or maybe their kid is just wanting to get into collecting. Uh, I, what yeah. do you do? What do you do as a parent? You got a kid, eight-year-old kid who wants to get into this stuff, and you want to dabble a little bit. Where do you, where are you buying cards, and, and what are you recommending? Yeah, John, that's the cool thing about the hobby is there are price points for everybody. They've got hobby boxes, but they've also got uh, there's kind of two different uh, uh, categories: hobby boxes and then retail boxes. And these retail boxes are a lot cheaper. And they're ones that you can actually go find in person at stores like Target and Walmart. I mean, you could go pop in. I think even places like Barnes & Noble here locally, check your local Buy Marts, some Walgreens. I mean, so, John, there, there are cards uh, for kids accessible at a lot of these places. I know there were just a couple of different baseball releases put out in the past month. And at the Walmart that I was at just earlier today, there were tons of boxes on the shelf. And they were twenty nine ninety nine a box. So, mm. you know, it, it's a tenth of the cost. And I think that's a perfect way to get a kid interested in the hobby. And honestly, that's one of the things that I, I try to do and is my main philosophy and really why I do what I do. I want to help people get access to this hobby. I want those people that can't afford those two $300 boxes to be there to buy not just the baseball cards, you know, but football, basketball, the, the really premium cards that everybody's trying to find and can't find. That's kind of one of the reasons the hobby is so popular is because of the scarcity right now. Jordan Schultz, I appreciate you. Thanks for doing what you do. You. Uh, how do people find your YouTube channel? I appreciate you, John. This has been an absolute pleasure. And you can go on YouTube. Just search. Uh, I think Schultz will get you there. But if you S-C-H-U-L-T-Z-Y, Schultz should pop up. Schultz's card polls. And I actually, just uh, before this interview started, I posted. I've got some breaks going on on my channel here this Sunday, John. So I appreciate you plugging the website. If you go to SchultzCardPolls.com, you'll be able to buy into actually a couple of the boxes that we broke this weekend together. I'm going to be including in my breaks this Sunday as well. All right. So when you say buy into, help people understand, because what they're doing is they're buying a place in line, so to speak. You open the, you open the uh, pack and then uh, you open the box, you open the pack, and you know maybe they're getting what card two, card three. They're basically buying a seat at at this thing and hoping that the lucky card coincides with their seat. Exactly. There's three ways to do it. There's like a, a hit or a seat, so you get like one card per person. There is usually uh, you do it by like teams, so that's kind of the way that you divvy up the cost. Is like I pay for a random team, and then we kind of just run it through you know a, a chance uh, randomizer online. And then everybody gets assigned like a specific team. So that's kind of the that's kind of what the box break is. It alleviates it, that cost. And buying in, you get a chance at any of those teams. You could get a great team. You could get a terrible team. Love it, Schultz. I appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. Hope to talk soon, John. Thank you so much. There he is, Schultz's card pulls on YouTube. I have to tell you, 
He was opening the packs. He wasn't even getting the cards, this Jordan Schultz character. They weren't going to stay with him. Somebody in the crowd was going to get the card. What they had were 100 seats that were numbered 1 to 100, and uh, there was a random number picked out of, a, out of like a bingo, uh, bingo drawing. Okay, it's seat 42. And then, you know, there's an 8-year-old kid sitting in seat 42 in the crowd who suddenly lights up because he's going to get the card. And then I look over at Schultz, and he's got like a vein on the side of his neck popping out. He's so excited. He starts, yelling, you know, saying, it's a Luka Doncic, you know, and he starts naming, you know, refractor this, one of four, you know, I don't know. But he was so excited about it, his enthusiasm. There's something about, I don't think it even matters. There's something about seeing someone do something they're passionate about, you know, even if, it, if it's somebody talking about chess. If they're passionate about chess, I'll, I'll listen to it because that's what people want. We want to hear what, what, what your passion is, that thing that you're ex into and that you're excited about, whether it's your team like the Ducks, the Beavers, the Blazers, the Winterhawks, whoever, the Timbers, or, or whether it's your hobby. I think it's fascinating. I'm not into the card break world, but I don't blame you if you are because I understand there was a lot of enthusiasm about this. And dude has like 15,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. It's, uh, it's, he's onto something. He's found the thing that he should be doing. Like, I hope you found your thing as well. I want you to leave it here. Anna's going to pop into the studio next. We'll play some punch it audio. You got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.